they make a courage mom country song with you have courage mom um (laughs) welcome to recotopia a happy home for recommended movies shows and music from two people you can definitely trust trustability varies by region no guarantee is implied Now, here are your hosts, Chris Atkinson and Jeremy Scott. The Gulf War, smart bomb falling down the chimney, 2,500 missions a day, 100 days. One video of one bomb, Mr. Moss. The American people bought that war. Mm-hmm. War is show business. Hello, everybody. Hi. It's Recotopia, episode 57. Mm-hmm. I'm Chris Atkinson. I'm Jeremy Scott. Yeah, and hello, chat out here watching us on a Tuesday. We're about to talk about Wag the Dog. Mm-hmm. That's a movie. Wow, I hadn't seen that since it came out in theaters, I don't think. Yeah, I don't um, think I had either. Uh, maybe saw parts of it uh, over the years on cable or something like that. But anyway, hello, chat. Thank you for coming out and uh, watching us today um uh but uh anyway how are you doing today jeremy i am doing just excellent thank you for asking um yeah. i'm very excited for today's show and to talk about uh the small and big recommends all right well do you have a small recommend it's no big deal it's so small and light it's small it's tiny it's petite it's wee. i do i happened to catch a couple weeks ago hbo re-ran their John Adams miniseries oh, starring Paul Giamatti. Um, <clears throat> it's great. I I fixate mostly on the first few episodes because I have always been a Revolutionary War era history nerd. Mm-hmm. Um, and but this movie goes way past that in John Adams' life and follows to when he becomes the president, and then follows to when his son is the president and he's seeking mm-hmm. his old dad's advice. Um, and, uh, it's just incredibly well acted. Uh, Tom Wilkinson plays Benjamin Franklin may steal the entire miniseries, uh, hmm. with his performance. The guy that played Stannis in game of Thrones plays Thomas Jefferson. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, shit. I just forgot his, the actress who plays his wife, uh, Laura Linney. Got it. Uh-huh. Um, and she's fantastic too. Um, just if you like American history, uh, if you don't know much about John Adams, as I did not, um, this is for you. Six episodes, um, really, really solid acting. I enjoyed it, uh, and it's on HBO Max. So. Yeah, I remember this being a big thing when it first came out. How long ago was this? Like, was this? Uh, like- it was in the aughts, I think, two thousand seven, yeah. maybe. Yeah, I feel like it was around that time. Um, but uh, yeah, I need to see that, and I'm a big Paul Giamatti fan, so. I need to, 2008. I need to, we were right on yeah, it. I need to get, I need to, uh, need to get on that. So, um, <clears throat> I, uh, went to the, uh, theater and decided because this franchise is the way it is, I have to watch the movie on opening night because I don't want to get spoiled on anything. Although at this point, getting spoiled on uh scream movies is, I don't know how big of a deal it is, but yeah. I watched scream six and um and i really quite enjoyed it um i think scream is kind of 
getting sillier for me though like it's it's enjoyable no doubt uh and it's and it and and it seems like every time they come out with a new chapter they're trying to do something a little bit new maybe a little bit of a twist uh uh that you know you haven't seen in the killers before um and so you're like oh okay so they've raised the stakes or they've they've uh they've changed some things up a little bit but still there's a lot of the there's still a lot of the same formula stuff in it that's what's so interesting about scream to me is like is like it that first movie came out was all about like haha horror movies right this is what they do right yeah and then now ever since all the scream movies have basically just been doing what scream movies have always done they've never really diverted too much away uh it's interesting watching this movie a year later now from when i first uh uh first saw jenna ortega to now she seems like she's an even better actress now and and i know that's not hard to uh understand she's young and it's only it's she's been in a whole bunch of stuff since then but now she's like even more confident and good um the whole cast is really fun except i there's a there's one performance I'm not going to bring up who it is because it might be spoilers for some, but I thought one performance was really bad. Mm. Some people are taking a taking. Some people are like having a lot of fun with it, uh, but uh, but uh, I I I I personally was like, God, this guy is terrible. It's just a terrible performance. Um, but there's a a lot of like good stuff in here if you're a Scream fan. So I feel I feel like if you like the other Screams. You definitely like this one. I haven't been a big fan of a lot of the Scream movies, Scream sequels that have come out. And so I would probably put this number two. Uh, not a high bar, really. Uh, so you have the first one, and then you have this one. And then it's like, after that, it probably goes two, three, four, five. Or five, somewhere in the middle of the two, three, four, somewhere around. Mm. Uh, <laughs> if, you like the, if, you like the, if you like the Scream movies, I think you like Scream 6. She was just on Saturday Night Live and apparently made a crack about not being particularly drawn to horror movies but she just has a face that when people see it they say let's throw some blood on it <laughs> yeah 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 exactly <laughs> um okay i'm gonna cheat uh and sneak in uh, uh an extra recommend a small recommend uh just to uh to kind of shout out a friend of mine's kickstarter uh a buddy of mine uh, named russ burlingame um wrote a book about josie and the pussycats uh, an oral history interviewed all the stars and the directors and interviewed a bunch of fans including me uh so i'm in that book a little bit well he's got a new book that he's writing about the tv show legends of tomorrow uh which oh, i have never yeah. seen um but he adores it he's got a kickstarter going he's doing the same thing interviews with mark guggenheim tala ash phil Klemmer, uh and chron chronicling the history of the entire show um <clears throat> and uh he's way over his goal but He's got a bunch of stretch goals. Uh, if you just go to Google and and search for Legends of Tomorrow Kickstarter, it's the top list. It's called A Totally Unofficial Oral History of Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, so if you want to go over there and support that book and get a copy, uh, check it out. I told him I would shout it out because uh, he's a good mm. guy. A um, buddy of ours, Jeremy Simser, did uh, storyboards on the on some of the episodes of that yes. show. Yeah, he did mm -hmm. uh, a lot of DC show work there for a yep. bit. Um, yep. All right, so my actual second small recommend is uh, Idris Elba in Beast, uh, which mm. came out in 2022. Okay. Um, and I want to set reasonable expectations here um, because I had heard raves, and I went in maybe expecting a different movie than what I got. It is a very solid monster thriller. 
It's Jaws. It's like that. It's like that shark movie with Ryan Reynolds' wife, Blake Lively. It's that in uh, the African safari, and it's a lion instead of a shark. Um, <laughs> but it, it's it's absolutely enjoyable. I had a really good time with it. Um, it's pretty well acted, but it's not. It's not like revolutionary. It's not changing the genre or bringing a bunch of new stuff to it. Uh, but it had me on the edge of my seat, uh, and I enjoyed it. So I'm going to shout out Beast with uh, okay. Idris Elba. Let's see if I can figure out where to watch that. I might have rented it. Yeah, I think I rented it on Amazon. Uh, but it'll be on streaming. Yeah. On Prime. I, it's on Prime. I, <laughs> I had uh, seen there – were, there were a couple of movies that came out uh like in this pandemic era that had this kind of like people find themselves in africa and then end up getting chased by lions it seemed like there was a lot of this going on uh and so i when this came when this came out i was like i don't know if i want to i don't know if i want to do this again but <laughs> Idris Elba is great so i yeah. i mean i will watch anything that he's in so yeah um, and and he carries the carries the film he's great yeah um all right and then and then so because geez we, i watched a whole bunch of movies for the uh, uh year year the uh, best of 2022 mm. uh i have a few that i've watched that uh i need to like officially recommend and everything and i we briefly talked about the whale um uh, on the uh, best mm. of um, I didn't really get a chance to talk too much about it. I think this is the reason why I singled it out, uh, out of the ones that I saw that we talked about last week. Um, uh, but Darren Aronofsky has a certain, uh, theme throughout, mm. I think nearly all of his movies, if not, if not all, um, uh, in, and that is self-destruction, uh, like and the sort of the obsession that it gets to you know to like uh, like oh like obsession and self-destruction is a lot of the theme that you see in his movies you yeah. see that in the first one pie which by the way it's 314 uh, talking about pie um uh pie and uh requiem for a dream and the fountain and uh, black the wrestler Swan, <clears throat> the wrestler all of those movies talk about that and and the whale is no different. Brendan Fraser, who won the Oscar, um, uh, is, uh, he, they, and, and some makeup that I had no idea the, the story behind that, where it was like, where it was, you're able to make facial expressions through them or whatever. So that mm. it, he didn't have to, he didn't have to gain any weight to do the, the role or something like that. Um, but, uh, but, uh, it's him he it's it's obviously based on a play because it's all this like one it's all in one uh, location the entire time he is in his uh house and uh hong chow plays his friend who kind of like helps him but is also an enabler of some sort um uh the he he long he, he's a teacher he is you see him right at the beginning he's doing like a zoom call like an online course type of thing his camera is turned off, but he's telling them that it's malfunctioning because he doesn't want anybody to see uh, what he looks like. Mm. Um, and he's telling them to do an essay and, uh, and you see that he's an English teacher and, and, uh, or, or, or some, or yeah, yeah, I think he's an English teacher. And, um, and so he's had a loss in his life. Uh, it was, uh, it was a, I was a former student, uh, that, uh, that uh 
he was in love with and it was uh it was a gay relationship that the parents didn't like the parents were a part of some sort of religious uh, uh cult or so or group of some sort uh that uh hong chow was this man's sister uh and uh the uh the guy the guy ended up dying uh and and he and ever since brendan fraser has been eating himself to death basically and if you're used to darren aronofsky movies it's not as like it doesn't go to that like level of jared leto sticking a needle in his like open wound kind of gross Mm. but there are moments where you're sitting there going you're sitting there going my god man don't do this he's like eating pizzas constantly like pizzas are getting delivered to him constantly although the pizza delivery guy gets uh is is fun because he steals a lot (laughs) he doesn't steal scenes but he's he comes by and he's always like and um and it and uh he and uh brendan fraser's always telling him to leave the pizzas outside he doesn't want to take it himself he's like i got money in the mailbox take the money and then you know and then uh, just leave the pizzas there and i'll get them and so this guy's like he's like okay man and then uh, you know and and he's like uh, later on he's like my name's whatever he's like hey i just i'm just i'm hey how's it going just want to see if you're okay (laughs) and uh and uh stuff like that and uh and there's another visitor that keeps coming in played by ty simpkins who i did had no idea it was him he's grown up so much uh at this point uh ty simpkins plays someone who is a representative of this church that the that his former lover used to be a part of and that his parents were a part of and everything um he's trying to get brendan fraser to to convert or try to get him to the church is like ah you can you can save yourself you know from this this lifestyle that you've brought your brought to yourself and everything and also he's got his uh daughter who he kind of wants to see for what he believes maybe his last days or whatever played by sadie sink from stranger things Mm. uh who's excellent in it she's got she's really funny in it uh she's um but like he he she comes over basically asking for help for for her schoolwork or whatever and he's like okay i'll do it and then she thinks that there's like some sort of exchange involved and he's like no i'll just do it don't you don't have to stay here if you don't want to apparently there was like something she believes that he left her mom for this for this man and didn't want didn't want to have anything to do with her and all of that and so they have this relationship that they're trying to build back up of course he's on this path of destruction uh this is of course as as the best brendan fraser's ever been Mm. uh it's it's uh heartbreaking it's funny it's uh you know like all the acting is great in it i can't recommend the whale enough i think that you might like it um uh i i i I don't know what the general consensus of this movie is but i know that i really really liked it and i thought it was good yeah it's interesting i'm very curious to see it just for brendan's performance i have seen articles praising its depiction of Mm -hmm. obesity and i have seen articles criticizing its depiction of uh obesity and and i am in no position to be a judge there i'm Um, not in any position either but i didn't feel like anything came off over sensitive or over oh you know like uh like like they were being too mean or anything like that nothing hit me that way but i'm not in that I'm not in that group, so I don't know. I I still I still would love to go back in time and get a look at Aronofsky's Batman movie because yeah. taking that 
those obsession self-destruction themes into Bruce Wayne Batman. Mm -hmm. I think Matt Reeves did a little bit of that with the Batman. Uh, yeah. But I think Aronofsky would have given us a Batman we had never seen before and uh, it would have been probably hard to watch. Um, yeah. Because all of his movies are hard to watch. <laughs> probably so, unless, unless somebody like at Warner Brothers was like, tap, tap, tap. Uh, no, we can't, we can't do that necessarily. <laughs> we can kind of imply some of this stuff as so we never know what might what a studio might do to something like that and that might be why aronofsky i don't know the whole story there i remember him trying to do that but yeah he was gonna make a year one he was gonna take that year one run the frank and, miller yeah and uh adapt that um mm. and uh that could have been cool but anyway i'm happy with mm. the batman batman we have right now all, all yeah. of them um <clears throat> let's do the big recommend all right the big recommend i'm fine i'm fine it's just that you're so big it's so huge it's a good rule but this is bigger than rules it's bigger on the inside is it i noticed i'm going all the way back to 1997 i uh graduated college in 1997 uh was working at a movie theater and almost certainly built this movie and watched it on a thursday night and maybe i rented it again when it came out on video, but I have not seen this movie in 24 years. Easy. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. And I was very curious. My, my memory holds it in very high regard. So I was very curious to see how well it plays today. Um, mm -hmm. And other than the internet not being very prominent in the mid to late nineties, uh, that would screw this up if you made this movie today. Yeah. Um, but man, the satire and the themes, I think, still hold up um, yeah the idea well, that go ahead not not to cut into your movie or anything oh, you're, oh, you're good. But, but i will say this it is almost a prelude to what we are experiencing on the internet uh as far as conspiracy theories and how they get started so yes uh so there is that anyway the idea of 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 politics uh, and and world events being a production a show um mm -hmm. where things are intentionally done to distract the public or hook the public in um you know on that level i very much believe that's going on no matter who is president <laughs> in our country mm -hmm. um yeah have we ever gone into a military conflict to distract the public seems plausible yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, this movie is about just that faking a war to distract the public for 11 days until the presidential election it's about to break that the president spent three minutes in a back office of the oval office alone with a firefly girl um <clears throat> which is a girl scouts knockoff um mm -hmm. and she is accusing him of pretty murky and i'm glad that the movie doesn't spell too much out there because yeah. again that is not the point uh but i will say this movie doesn't pull any punches i've got a few that i'll point out as we go through it mm -hmm. um so we open with de niro who's basically a fix-it man um and he's been flown to the white house and he gets told about this news that's going to break and we have to distract the public and de niro's great in this movie Mm -hmm. Every time somebody challenges him on, well, that'll never fly. He he does this verbal game where he says something like, well, I mean, 
What about the B3 bomber? Well, there is no B3 bomber. I'm, I never said there was a B3 bomber. You, you're the one that just referred to it. And he consistently spins people around uh, with this kind of circular logic um, mm -hmm. and sort of pointing out how easy it is to manipulate people. Uh, yeah. So by the time he lands back in L.A., uh, he's decided that they're going to concoct a fake war with Albania. Um, one of the president's aides, Anne Hesh, is with him. Um, and she says, why Albania? And he's like, what do you know about Albania? And she's like, nothing. He's like, exactly. Um, yeah. And uh, he goes to see Dustin Hoffman, who's doing Robert Evans, basically. He's playing this mm. top Hollywood producer. And he wants to bring him in to basically Wizard of Oz this thing. Uh, because we need a song and we need a slogan and we need you know, some kind of visual thing that the people can clasp onto. Um, and I, I should note uh, at this point that we don't ever really see the president. We see him from behind mm -hmm. uh, or blurred out in the background or foreground uh, because, again, I, who the president is is not the point. I think the movie is saying uh, everyone in power politically is capable of doing this kind of manipulation. Um, <clears throat> And I love Hoffman's performance here, too. I think he was nominated for uh, at least some awards. Uh, and I don't know how good of an impression he's doing of Robert Evans, but I just love how he never wavers in confidence whatsoever. Yeah. He yeah. is, is self-confident in every step he takes. And what's hilarious is sometimes I think he does make genius decisions, and sometimes yeah. he's just being a dumbass, but he... It says everything with absolute conviction. Um, and it's kind of hilarious to see a character that never has even an ounce of self-doubt. Mm -hmm. So he makes a bunch of phone calls to get his team in. Uh, and that includes um, Dennis Leary, uh, who's, uh, what do they call him? The fad man? Um, something like that. Uh, <clears throat> uh, we got Willie Nelson. He's a singer-songwriter, and he's trying to come up with the song. He starts yeah, out playing singing. somebody that's not Willie Nelson, which was weird. <laughs> I thought it would have been fun. I mean, it would have been fine if they just made him Willie Nelson. But he starts out singing about guarding a Canadian border because the original story is that Albania has a suitcase nuke, and they <laughs> smuggled it to Canada, and they're going to cross the U.S. border with it. Um, and then there's a scene early on where they show him, they show Willie Nelson a political attack ad in print uh, from the president's opponent that basically says, sit on my lap. <laughs> and Willie Nelson starts going, sit on my lap. And he starts singing this incredibly <laughs> wrong song yeah, yeah. where he's like, I'm glad your mama's not here. And <laughs> Dustin Hoffman is like, no, stop. Like, I didn't want you to make a song about it. I just wanted to show it to you. Right. Um, and over a period of what feels like maybe a day or two with very little sleep, they kind of come together with this plan. And so the first move is they hire an actress. It's Kirsten Dunst, baby Kirsten Dunst, mm. um, to star in war footage. They keep referencing all throughout this movie this desert storm footage of a smart bomb going down a chimney. And they alleged yeah. that that was staged. Uh, but it became the, the singular image of that conflict. And so we only really need one image to grab the American public and it happens to be Kirsten Dunst running away from war-torn Albanian countryside with a kitten that uh, is white because that's what the president wants, uh, even though the producer wanted a calico kitten. <laughs> um, and uh, 
she's kind of funny. She's she's good in this movie. She doesn't have a lot to do, but she thinks yeah. it's an acting gig. She's like, you know, uh, are there any residuals? Is this a national? And they're like, no, you yeah. can't. You can't ever tell anybody that you did this. Um, so, and it looks. It's. I think when this movie is made, they're they're using technology that doesn't exist at the time because they just have her running in a blue screen and they in real time yeah. punch in a kitten they punch in the buildings <laughs> in the back now this it's is how they're making that mandalorian today in a yeah, yeah, circular yeah. blue screen room but not back then but anyway um there's so many hard wrong throwaway jokes in this movie this is such it feels improv heavy like even Hoffman is giving me Ishtar vibes at time. Uh, but like they're putting makeup on Kirsten Dunst before they go to shoot. And this crewman walks by and goes, enough with the makeup. She's just been raped by a terrorist. And she keeps walking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, what the shit? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so uh, they're going to Nashville. Um, De Niro and Anne Hesh to meet up with the producer who's working with Willie Nelson to record the We Are the World of this war, the Albanian war. Uh, they get picked up by William H. Macy, the CIA, mm-hmm. uh, who knows there's no war, who knows there's no amassing of troops on the border. They have satellite imagery. We're going to we're going to rat you out. And De Niro does his thing, somehow talks his way out of that scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they leave. They go to Nashville. And one of my favorite so- scenes in this entire movie is the recording of the We Guard song. Yes. And they go, there's a line that We Guard, uh, our right to defend democracy. And this guy in the background goes, Oh, democracy. I lose my shit at the Oh, democracy part. Uh, I just had to pause the movie and go out uh, crying to explain what just <laughs> happened to my wife. <laughs> yeah. Um, but before they can finish the song, the president's opponent in the race, uh, puts out on national news the fact that he has been told by the CIA that the war is over, uh, that our troops are receding. And so he's essentially sending the message that he knows the war is made up uh, and he's using the media to shut it down because his whole thing, the whole movie is we want we have to have the president answer for these allegations. And the other side, De Niro and our production are just trying to avoid that for 11 days. So uh, they give up, they're dejected, uh, De Niro even says it's over. I just saw it on TV. It's over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but the optimist uh, Dustin Hoffman uh, <laughs> says this is nothing. This is nothing. This and is at nothing. first, this is nothing. <laughs> we don't believe he's got anything because we've already seen this guy always believes there's a way. But then he comes up with a way. He and Dennis Leary figure out, okay, we, we need to create a war hero, somebody left behind enemy lines. Watching those two riff in that production studio is pretty awesome uh as they come up with this <clears throat> good old shoe and they decide well let's find a soldier whose name starts with shoe like shoemaker or something uh, yeah. and we'll take a photo and it'll be like he's been being held by enemy soldiers in albania we'll release the photo to the media and then we'll record this song uh and they they get a blues player with Willie Nelson. They come up with this good old shoe, which is actually a pretty yeah. awesome song. Yeah. Um, and they, they make an old label for it and sneak it into the Library of Congress. And then I, I misunderstood how this went the first time because he's, I thought he was telling her, a staffer, get this reporter to meet you at a bar and then say, wasn't there an old folk song called Good Old Shoe? But when we see this event, they're in bed. 
they slept yeah. together. So I mm -hmm. think he might have been telling her to sleep with the guy, which would probably only fit with the movie's themes that people don't matter in the pursuit of you know the political story yeah, we want to although tell. Although I don't know if that meant that they already had a relationship, and that, it might have, and, and that he was like, "Well, when you're with him tonight, you say that." Or, I mean, I guess it could be that he's sending her off to do that. I don't know. I, I didn't quite catch that, but I, I, um, I was thinking the same thing on this. Was that, yeah. was, was she being sent to sleep with him or what? I didn't know. I was, I was surprised when they were in bed. Um, <clears throat> so they write this speech, um, Hoffman and, uh, Dennis Leary write this speech for the president to deliver. That is, we're told a powerhouse It's going to speak to the nation and bring down the house talking about this soldier, the good old shoe that we left behind and how mm. we're not going to leave him there forever. The president balks because he doesn't like being told what to do in his speeches by people other than his own staffers, apparently. Um, <clears throat> but so then Dustin Hoffman says, and I thought he was joking, but he says, get me 30 secretaries and meet me in the Oval Office and bring the president. <laughs> and, <laughs> yes. And the next we see him at the president's desk. The president kind of blurred out in the foreground, mm -hmm. 30 female secretaries as the audience. And Hoffman gives this speech. And when it cuts to them coming out, they're all in tears. And it's implied, well, he brought the house down. So the president decides to do the speech. Um, so De Niro and Hoffman go riding around town in a limo, tossing old shoes into trees <laughs> for the next section of the movie because they're trying to create their own tie a yellow ribbon around the old, old tree kind of moment. Um, and they find a kid out there and he gets in on the action, throwing it up there. Yep. Um, they hear the good old shoe song they produced on the radio. Um, and basically uh, that strategy works. Seems to jump several days at this point um, where the song is taken off and people are throwing shoes all over the place and the news is not talking about the Firefly Girl. Yep. Um, <clears throat> And uh, it's time to bring the soldier home, this shoeman. Um, and they had, there's a scene where you see Dennis Leary on the phone asking about special military units and soldiers named shoe something. So they very clearly decided to get a real soldier whose name was such and such and then claim that he was part of this 303 division that doesn't exist. But mm -hmm. the reason nobody says it exists is because it's just that secret. That's their story. Right. <laughs> They even come up with a song for the fight in 303 or what have you. Um, and there's this great early moment where they show Woody Harrelson as the hostage. He's playing Schumann, the soldier. And he's got Morse code tears in his shirt that says, Courage Mom. So yeah. then, of course, they make a Courage Mom country song. With, yes. You have courage, Mom. Um, <laughs> and so we get to the part where they have to meet the soldier. And he's brought on the plane. And he's in chains. Um, and Anne Hayes runs out after the soldiers. Why is he in chains? Because he's a convict. And they hand, him, mm. hand her a folder. Because, <laughs> of course, they didn't think through any of this. And they have a man who's been in military prison for 12 years. Mm. <laughs> and, again, there's some really hard jokes in this yeah. section where they're – one guy's looking through the folder, and Hayes is like, well, what did he do? And he's like, well, he raped a nun. Um, <laughs> and he's like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they have another this is nothing moment where we have to try and somehow present this guy to the public. Their original plan was to have a kid run up 
and smear meat on his shoes so a dog would run up and follow him and love the soldier. Mm -hmm. uh, he also turns out to need uh, serious psychotic meds every four hours. So it's, it's harder and harder for them to present this guy to the public. Mm -hmm. Fortunately for them, the plane crashes and uh, they ride on a piece of farm equipment to a gas station. And I want to point out here that there's a running gag and he does about insisting they not work with any undocumented immigrants. And early mm -hmm. on in the movie, they were like, what's the scandal? Does he have an undocumented housekeeper? And like that yeah. is, a, is a big no-no. And despite the fact that all movie long, they are breaking all kinds of laws. She continues to insist we cannot work with an... She even has the driver of that farm equipment sworn in by a judge as a citizen just so yeah. they could technically say we didn't work with any undocumented immigrants. Um, yep. They, while they're at the gas station, uh, making some phone calls, figuring out their stuff, no one's paying attention to what Schumann is doing, the uh, psychotic military prisoner, and he scares the farmer's daughter um, and ends up being shot with a shotgun and killed right there in the farmhouse, which is at that point is kind of convenient for our protagonists because now they don't have to worry about presenting him to people and they can say, mm -hmm. well, he, he got sick in Albania and he died in the plane on the way over and we end up cutting to a funeral. They made military uniforms for the 303 and I guess drafted dozens of actors to show up at this funeral and sing mm -hmm. the song and salute their brother in arms. Um, <clears throat> and basically uh, at this point, uh, the producer is so proud of this achievement. He's so proud that he realizes he can't not take credit. And mm -hmm. De Niro's like, well, you knew you couldn't take credit. When you knew all along you couldn't take credit. This is, you, know, you can't, you can't ever tell anybody about this. And, De Niro, mm -hmm. and Hoffman is like, fuck it, I'm taking credit. Goodbye. And he walks out and we see De Niro nod to this Secret Service guy and they put Hoffman in a car. And then we cut to De Niro showing up at Hoffman's house for his funeral. Yep. Um, and uh, the movie ends with a news report. Uh, that uh, there's a militia group in Albania that has claimed responsibility for a bombing there, and so the U.S. will be sending troops back in to finish the job. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and we're not sure at that point if they really are or if someone has just started back up the production, um, but it is suggestive that there is always some kind of political theater going on and the game yeah. never stops. Uh, mm. What was your opinion of Wag the Dog this time through after so many years? Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's still funny and it's stunning, like what's going on in this movie. Now, I, there is a debate going on in chat as to whether this could work today with you, with the, you know, internet and, you know, like people from Albania themselves mm -hmm. saying there's not there, they would tell you the, you know, that morning, there's not a, a conflict going on here. I don't know. I think we live in that kind of world where people believe anything that they're told on whatever news source that yeah. they are told. Just depends so where like, they get that information. Yeah, exactly. So like, uh, so if you said, uh, this went on any kind of, uh, cable news channel at all that people trust, you're going to have a section of the population that says that definitely is happening and you need to open up your eyes. And if you got on Twitter, you're going to have people who are like, here are some pictures from Albania. And of course they're mm -hmm. going to be using, sometimes they're going to be using pictures from some other conflict to make it look like it's from Albania or whatever. Like there, these type of things happen all the time. There are people who believe that there were Chinese troops in Canada ready to go over into the U S there for a while. I mean, was, just look at 
the January 6th thing that happened at the Capitol and how many different interpretations there are firmly held in minds of people yeah. that are on right. opposite ends. of. But we all we all saw it. There's video mm -hmm. footage and there are people who don't believe that was real. Um, yeah. So yeah. I, I agree. I think the Internet would complicate De Niro and Hoffman if they were doing this today. But I still think they'd find a way. Uh, they'd have to do it a little bit more artfully. They'd have to try to figure out uh, 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 their way. They'll, they'd have to have some. Uh, they'd have to have some people who work with them on Twitter who have a lot of followers and whatever to kind of like help help this along. And you know, the, even in the uh, movie itself, when they're talking about this fictitious B three bomber or whatever, the 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 reporters they don't even i don't know if they tell the reporters like they tell at least one person to start asking about it but it looks yeah. like the whole reporter pool has started to ask about it because they've gotten they've gleaned in on it and de niro says something like it's great to have people in the field or whatever i don't know if it means that he paid them paid all of those reporters to ask about it or if it was because they all just picked up on the fact that there was this B3 going around. And they I honestly all... think you could read that either way, honestly. Yeah. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, maybe not in the way it's shown in this movie could it happen, but I think it could happen uh, with some more artful ways of, of doing, doing some of the things that we, the, 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 the way we use the internet these days. Um, but, uh, I think this whole thing's funny and really like super dark all the way through. Um, remember what we're doing here. We're, we're protecting one man because he did something fucking awful yep. and we're, we're, we're like have getting the whole world in a tizzy over this war. That's not even happening. Uh, and I think if you did this, if you did this in real life, like enough, you would probably start real conflicts. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it would, it would, it, cause there would be people who would just pick up on things and be like, you know, it, it would just, it would just, I think sometimes the fake it until you make it is going to ha actually happen. Dustin Hoffman is great in this. I mm. can't, I can't help, but mention that Dustin Hoffman is kind of in trouble these days for the things that the president is, uh, in trouble for in this movie. It mm. was hard not to know, not to uh, see the parallels there, yeah. but he is terrific in the movie. He, if, uh, like every, like you said, nothing is a problem at all. He's like, this is nothing. This is nothing. And then he's, he comes up with some sort of like, he comes up with all these different things that happened on movies that he's been on before that somehow equate to this like very real world situation. That's e like very much, hard, definitely harder, but he's, he's, he always says, you know, like, uh, well, uh, you think this is hard to get, you know, cause they're talking about Woody Harrelson's meds or whatever. You think that's hard. Imagine trying to be on set with three, uh, three, uh, diva actresses all, who are all on, you know, per, you know, these, he's, he's, he tries to make it seem like three diva actresses are harder to deal with than Woody Harrelson, who's an yeah. actual criminal. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and things like that. So he is terrific. He did get an Oscar nomination for this movie. Um, and, uh, this was his, uh, I think it was his second turn with Levinson. They shot this movie with, they were shooting sphere yeah. and then they halfway through it. Like, I guess they had to stop kind of like Castaway. They shot this movie, they shot Wag the Dog, and then they came back on Sphere. 
yeah. later on. But uh, uh, Dustin Hoffman won an Oscar for Rain Man with Levinson uh, yep. back in the day. Uh, so he's great. Yes, De Niro is great. This is one of his last great years. We had Jackie Brown on this. Uh, we did Jackie Brown on Recotopia. I think this is one of the last great De Niro years. He's had sort of a comeback recently where he's been playing sort of these side roles and everything. Yeah. And he's good in those, I would say, but he's not like this where he's taking a taking command of a whole movie. I love, you already mentioned, I love the fact that he makes a whole thing up about this B3 bomber and then has people arguing about the B3 bomber. Basically, basically coming up with something that doesn't exist and then having people argue about it as to whether, you know, like that's genius to me. And that's stuff that I think happens all the time. I think we see this all the time. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I really, really did enjoy this movie. Uh, I think the first time around I liked it. Okay. But now seeing what this movie has, you know, had on its mind and everything, I think it's pretty brilliant uh, overall. So I, uh, I, I really, really dug it. It's no surprise to me that David Mamet is one of the screenwriters here. Um, yeah. Because the script is just crackling. Uh, I love the part where Dustin Hoffman goes, uh, it's all about thinking ahead. Thinking ahead. That's what being a producer is. And De Niro, without missing a beat, goes, it's like being a plumber. And, and yeah. <laughs> he goes, yes, it's like being a plumber. And I feel like thinking ahead and being a plumber are not the same. Like, I feel like they're <laughs> almost in this in this instance opposites but to near but hoffman is just so gung-ho about everything he doesn't even hear what's being said or at least process it's like yes you agree you're agreeing with me i agree with you agreeing with me yeah. um <laughs> there's a part where they offer him an ambassadorship and he says ambassador to where i don't even like going to brentwood uh and that cracked me up he just has a lot of great deliveries the movie's full of not yet famous people uh, Harlan Williams is in this. David yeah. Kuckner is in this. Kirsten Dunst, yeah. of course, was probably a little famous, but yeah, she, was she was still real young. John Michael Higgins was not famous yet. John yeah. Cho is in this movie for like yeah. a half a second. Um, I love the Why Change Horses midstream, which is the president's yeah, main. That, they have um, five different ads, basically, that are all the same thing, changing horses in midstream, which I believe was the Abraham Lincoln. It was. Uh, yeah uh a uh, slogan that that they've used they use like a bunch and seeing the seeing that same ad over and over again is hilarious it gets more and more hilarious as it goes along because yep. the, you see that ad right at the beginning and you're like okay this is your typical political ad and then like then it's like a completely different scenario later but they always end up on the same thing <laughs> by the end of it uh, I just love the idea that they're using a 200-year-old slogan. Like, yeah, how many people in the U.S. in the 90s are even familiar with, like, had experience crossing a stream on a horse? Like, the imagery yeah. makes sense. I don't want to get off this horse in the middle of the water to get on that horse. Right. But it's still 200 years old. It's outdated as hell. Um uh I get the sense, by the way, just bringing back the the William H. Macy part of this. I know that William H. Macy was a part of whatever theater that David Mamet started way back mm -hmm. in the day. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering, like, because you, you would see this in the 90s a lot. Like, maybe Mamet wasn't the power player on a movie, but he was the script writer. Mm -hmm. but it always seemed like a, a Mamet player would end up in that movie. And I guess maybe a producer was like, you like doing Mamet dialogue. Let's put you in here or whatever. Maybe it's something like that. But the William H. Macy scene feels like the most mammoth part of the movie it uh, does 
when he's like, there's no such thing as good flan or bad flan or something like that. That was a mammoth line. Uh, uh, has to be, has to be. Uh, all the way. But yeah, back in the day, you used to see Macy show up and, in all the mammoth stuff and Alec Baldwin would show up like the edge when he was in the edge and yep. stuff like that. He would just show up. But anyway, uh, are we ready for the double feature? We are ready for the double feature, the super secret double feature. Be very, very quiet. Secret. What secret? Our dirty little secret. I tell you something I've never told anyone. I am happy to report that I don't think I've seen this one being thrown around in chat. Nice. Um, uh, I will go over the ones that I thought of at first though. Um, uh, there's a really obvious one and that's primary colors. Uh, mm -hmm. it came out in the same era. Uh, primary colors was a very thinly veiled bill Clinton, um, uh, a book written by an anonymous, uh, you know, it was, I mean, it, it was pretty much dead on Bill Clinton and the stuff that he was dealing with, uh, well, the, the things that he did and had to, and had to cover up yeah. in primary colors. Don't want to make it sound passive. Um, but, uh, uh, I even thought of, I'm trying to think if there was another one that I thought of on this one. Um, uh, I've seen some good ones on here. Like Dave is being, is being thrown about. Ooh. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, uh, I was trying to come, I was actually trying to think outside the box and think about the sort of like the, the way you can look at this movie as everybody has a, has a role, like as if they're on a film. So like that's been said about inception, uh, mm. so inception has like a kind of a weird connection with this movie and the fact that in inception, everybody's playing a different kind of like, uh, a production person on inception. Mm. So I thought even that would be a pretty cool one, but, uh, on the, in the end, uh, I, uh, I ended up on Argo for this one. Oh, um, beautiful. Uh, that, yeah, the, uh, the, uh, the idea that they, uh, that uh you know people hire hollywood to help them out with uh, a political situation uh really seemed like the best course on this one and in fact i thought this was going to be so obvious that people would just be like argo 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 on the on the chat so oh. i was happy to see that that wasn't uh wasn't being mentioned on this one but Such a good uh one. yeah i think argo would be a really good double feature so oh there you go. man <clears throat> oh that's a good pick i i I thought primary colors was the most obvious uh, if you were if you were going for on the nose, but but you and I don't tend to go on the nose. But I didn't think of Argo. Very good. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. So for next week is going to be different because we have Sin Week uh, mm -hmm. is happening. So we're not going to have our regular Tuesday live show. We're going to be uh, we're going to be doing John wick four, but that's going to be, uh, Saturday, I believe next Saturday. Yes. For people who are listening to this show later, who, who see this on Monday, that would be this Saturday. We would be doing the live uh, show, but it's Let's uh, give them a date like the 25th. Um, would it be the 25th? I think it's the 20, it's the 25th. Yeah, so it would be the 25th that we'll be doing a recording about John Wick 4, and that will be the next one. So homework is to watch John Wick 4 on the day that it comes out, and then, you yes. know, and then, and then, you literally, and then listen if you to want, us on. If you want to listen live, you really literally need to see it 
Friday night, mm-hmm. the night it comes out, or the Thursday night prior. But mm-hmm. if you listen to the show a week delayed when it airs to the public, you have a whole week or more. Mm-hmm. So you should be okay. Yeah. So oh no, that's wait, that's the next not one. True. You only what? have four. You'll only have four days because it's going to tape on Saturday and release on Monday. Yeah, it'll be like yeah. like immediately after that. Yeah. Listen, John Wick so. Four is going to be awesome. Just go see it. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. So all right, there you go. Um, we have time for a few questions here. Question. Question. I got something to say. I am listening. Um, apologies as if it's already been asked, but as former cinema managers, how do you feel about tiered seat pricing? Smart business move or elitist BS? I don't understand. Okay. Here's the thing. We know that these movie theater companies have probably looked at a bunch of data and they have come to the conclusion that if they charge more for certain seats in the theater, that they're going to make X amount of dollars more than they would. And they're not, you know, they're probably even factoring in people who are turned off by the idea and they still make more money doing this way. So as a financial idea, probably a good one. I'm guessing for me as the customer though, I don't see why this is a big deal. Like why this is something that anybody needs to do. Mm. I'm not going to go out of my way to buy the best seats quote unquote in a movie there. Sometimes I buy the worst seats cause I want them. I don't want to be around anybody when I watch yeah. a movie. Yep. Um, so there's a lot of things here. I don't think this is like a live experience. Like I think a lot of times we equate this to a live experience where, well, you're paying for the, the closer seats or whatever. And in the movie theater, you're paying for, I guess the middle somewhere in the middle to the top, somewhere around there. That's the best seats. Um, I don't like this at all. I don't think this is, you know, it, it, it doesn't feel like a smart, smart business move to me. If that, if I'm answering this question correctly, I'm sure, like I said, they have data in front of them that says this is going to work, but I don't know. I, 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 you're charging more for a situation where there's not, there's very few seats that are so much better than the ones that are the worst that it makes having makes paying for a little bit better, more of a, a, a better seat. It makes it worthwhile. I don't get it. I don't get it either. And I don't, I don't necessarily think that the data they have in front of them is foolproof. Um, no, it's gotta be speculative. Uh, for instance, I would much rather sit in the top row back than in the dead middle where, Same. uh, so I don't think they understand every customer as well as they think they do. The problem for me is that they're, let's say they identify the middle seats, the dead center bullseye of the auditorium as the premium seat. They're not mm-hmm. going to lower the price of the other bad seats. They're going yeah. to jack the price of the premium seats up. And mm-hmm. listen, it's y'all motherfucking movie theaters that have been building auditoriums that have bad seats for decades. You yeah. not why should I be punished for the fact that you intentionally put bad view seats in your auditorium? The front no row kidding. of whatever theater you were most recently in should not be there. It shouldn't exist. No. It's too no. close. But they put in bullshit seats to to jack up the revenue and now they're going to turn around and make us pay extra for it. And I just think it sucks. If you wanted to build an auditorium that only had a diamond, right. Or Mm -hmm. maybe even, I don't know, a fucking 
parallelogram or something where all the seats were like middle seats, but the <laughs> premium, premium, middle, middle. Uh, I don't know. I just, it feels scummy to me. I don't like it one bit. Yeah, I don't like it at all. And and like you said, you know, the even if they have the data in front of them, it's not, like you said, it's not foolproof. It's, I, I don't see it working. I don't see how people, most moviegoers... We're already talking to a a select group of people at this point, right? Yeah. Like this is, it's it's not like if you took three hundred million people out of the U.S., how many people go to movies regularly? It's not a lot, right? It, yeah. The percentage is not a lot. Uh, so you're already talking about a select group of people who like going to the movie theater in the first place. And are you enticing more people to show up with this, or are you making more people? uh upset i also think this is going to cause a problem an even bigger problem with in customer like in auditorium relations between customers because you know there's going to be those assholes who go in and sit down in the seats without paying for the premium price yep and there's going to be somebody who shows up saying i paid uh, x amount of dollars instead of like just you know instead of getting into a confrontation about it. And I don't think there's too many confrontations about this. I think most of the time you say my seat is here, people get up and go, but there's going to be some situations where people have bought an extra, have bought that extra money and they're going to, it's going to be, you're going to give them make, make them feel entitled to those seats. And I think there's going to be, I don't know, there seems like there's going to be some more problems going it's on. It's also going to make those ticket holders entitled. Like they're going to feel like they, like somebody in a nearby cheap seat making too much noise needs to quiet down because I pay yeah. extra for this fucking seat. Right. Um, so yeah, I hope it. I hope it fails like Movie Pass and they have to backtrack it. But yeah, um, I'd be okay if they just took out all the shitty seats in the auditorium and then yeah. wanted to charge tiered pricing. But if you're gonna leave those shitty seats in there, then this is kind of scummy. <clears throat> yeah exactly all right well i'm going to save the recasting question for a future week it's okay. fun but i think we'll take too long to get through for now so uh the other question we had that we can talk about for a couple minutes is do you guys have any general oscars thoughts or reactions uh i mean i was overall happy with the oscar thing uh you know you get on twitter and people are like you know didn't want jamie lee curtis to win because they either wanted stephanie Shu or angela angela bassett to win and i understand that but i i the, the thing that upsets me about stuff like that is can't you just say I'd rather have this person win instead of going after Jamie Lee Curtis for, <laughs> for winning? Like that's not even in her, like it's not even in her power. Yeah. Nothing in her power there. Like she, you know, so it seemed like a lot of people were coming after Jamie Lee Curtis just for that. Uh, but I was fine with that. I wish it could have been like sort of a, a co-win or a Angela Bassett winning would have been terrific. I would have been fine with that too. Everything, everyone all at once was my favorite movie of the year. Uh, and Angela Bassett winning for something like Wakanda forever doesn't seem like the best thing ever, but like, I would have been fine with Angela Bassett winning cause I've loved her forever, but yeah. Uh, but, uh, anyway, I was generally happy with that, uh, that, uh, broadcast uh in general um and uh with with who won and what won i mean it's this one was the most one of the most predictable oscars there was in a long time i mean when i did aaron sposker's thing i like messed uh, probably a hundred of them but i like the 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 main the main ones everyone pretty much kind of knew who was going to win 
that may be the best supporting actors category. But yeah, uh, there's the thing about the Oscars these days is that there's not much that's in that's not much that's like secret or like uh or like surprising anymore really i mean occasionally there are occasionally that's why you watch just to see if there's going to be something surprising out of right. all of it and right. rarely there is but anyway i was happy with it overall i mean i will the show's never not going to be boring there's going to mm. be something interesting every year you're going to be if you're an oscars watcher you're going to watch because you want to see who wins or if there's any upsets but the show we should just accept that this show is going to be boring uh, unless they decide to do something radical, which they're clearly unwilling to do because they've been trying to goose ratings for years. This show's ratings were actually up um, mm-hmm. and they did a pretty vanilla, like Jimmy Kimmel is a pretty safe bet. Uh, and that ultimately maybe brought in more viewers. I mm-hmm. was just glad that Jamie Lee Curtis uh, spread love to the whole entire world while she was up there accepting yeah. her oscar like i didn't feel an ounce of pride in her at all i mean not not selfish pride i should say she might have you know genuine hard-earned pride because she's fantastic in that movie mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean every year we wonder if something's going to be revolutionized and it's not it's a three and a half hour four hour show that has a lot of downtime and a lot of bad jokes it's always going to be that uh, yeah has been for 30 years of my watching it so yeah anyway I, uh yeah i think you're right about the jimmy kimmel being safe thing because even when he's off the cuff i'm not sure he's the best like i'm not sure he's the best off the cuff kind of guy for for the stuff that he's because his jokes were his jokes were like just just blew up like it was just uh, What's funny? I, I, was, I saw I saw somebody say the reason he's so good for this gig is that his his talk show has he spent a decade or more learning how to just go right by when a joke bombs and yeah. and not take it personally and keep going. Right, uh, right. And he definitely did that. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> um, okay. Well, that's going to be it for uh, this episode. Uh, remember that next week we'll be doing this on a Saturday on July 25th mm-hmm. for John Wick 4. That's going to be a lot July? of fun. Did I say July? I might have said July. I'm going to say March 25th. <laughs> that's I what I July. Lousy smart weather. I probably did say <laughs> July. I probably did. Um, but uh, anyway, it's going to be March 25th. Uh, we're going to be, uh, doing John wick four and I can't wait to see that in an auditorium full of people. Cause John wick three certainly was one of the best auditorium experiences we've ever had. Mm-hmm. So, uh, hoping John wick four delivers the goods on that. Anyway, uh, that's going to do it for today. We'll see you next time. See, see you guys. Bye. part of the live show by being a member of the sin club at patreon at patreon.com slash cinema chat with us on the cinema discord at discord.gg slash cinema or cinema twitter at cinema and email any comments or questions to recotopia at cinema that's r-e-c-o-t-o-p-i-a at cinema I get to go to Wendy's today. Ooh, Wendy's. It's probably my favorite overall fast food place, Mm. but my wife is not a big fan or has historically not been a big fan. Um, But she asked me a couple weeks ago what the chicken nuggets were like at Wendy's. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and uh, I said, well, I read this article that rated them better than Burger King and McDonald's and whatnot. They're pretty darn good. Definitely better than those two. I'd like to try that. So we went and she got some regular nuggets and some spicy nuggets and she fell in love. Yeah. So now she wants to go to Wendy's again today. Mm-hmm. And I get to go back to my, I, we have, I haven't been there maybe five times in the last two or three years because she's been kind of averse. But now she's found something she loves. I think I told you that uh, we lost one of our favorite restaurants uh, a few weeks ago. It was a Cajun place. Mm hmm. Then there's, we found a new Cajun place in three places in Middle Tennessee. There's one in Franklin, one in Murfreesboro, and one in Hendersonville, and it's called Cajun Steamer. Okay. Have I told you about this? No. So I discovered it, said, said the name of the restaurant to my wife aloud, and then instantly said, that sounds like what happens in the bathroom after Nashville hot chicken. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yep. Yep. And now we are not sure we can ever visit one of these places without giggling through the entire experience. Mm-hmm. Like, I have ruined this restaurant before even eating it by yeah. making a joke. Oh, yeah. That was uh, an interesting thing uh, last night uh, playing this uh, Left Behind uh, of The Last of Us or whatever uh, that happened that I. It's it's interesting how people take in things a lot of times, and mm. so I'm playing this, and uh, there's a there's a cutscene or whatever where Ellie and the girl Riley that she's playing with they end up kissing, mm. and it's like it's cool, it's like you know it's a it's it's a it's it's young love whatever it is. And I'm sitting there going, man, this just I can't deal with this in a game right now. Like I don't like like uh, th- them dancing around and like kissing and stuff. I just want to play the game. Is all I'm, uh, is, <laughs> you know, like young love. That's a beautiful thing. I just wish <laughs> that I could play the game right now. And they're not so. We had, you know, we had someone. Uh, I don't know if I want to call them out, but. Uh, you know that was like oh this is such a wonderful thing and such a beautiful thing and blah 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 and i'm like yes it is but when you're playing the game all you want to do is like kill zombies and stuff you don't want to like sit here for like however long it takes for you to tell this story that you're trying to tell in the middle of all this yeah i understand what you're saying that's there are, that game is very unique in that it blends that kind of cinematic storytelling with, you know, active fighting and avoiding and stealth and knifing. Whereas, like, games like Until Dawn or what have you are just um, almost all story. And so you're sort of, you know that going in. Mm-hmm. And all you really get to do is every now and then they're like, do you want to kiss Janet or do you want to uh, punch her in the arm and laugh? I went into this cold of course not knowing anything about the game anything um and i i was like my my goal was to like just kill everything in sight when i could um and uh it, it became and and just and just go right in just like head first a lot of times just killing things of course that doesn't last very long but like um yeah. but uh, I, I I made it pretty well doing that strategy for a while, but like now that I've played it and I know certain things you can do, I kind of want to go back and play it again with yeah. that knowledge because yeah. 
because I'm like, there's so many things I'd like to do now that uh, that would make some of these levels a lot more enjoyable and not, doesn't feel like I'm just rushing through it and um, and everything. That's when you're playing on a stream and you're playing a game you've never played before and all that. You kind of kind of want to keep things going. And you want to yeah. have a lot of action. You don't want to like, okay, here's me sneaking for 30 minutes, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. But now I want to kind of go back and play it just on my own and just kind of in, in, soak it in a little bit better. Yeah. Did anybody ever figure out the rest of the movies that were nominated for foreign and best picture? No, one I had heard of, uh, which was Z. I have seen Z. Um, mm. uh, it was, I believe it was 1969. And there was another one called The Immigrants, which I should have heard of before, but I don't think I have. I think mm. it's like a Swedish movie. Um, and uh, and it, it was, yeah, 1971. There's a lot of people in there that I recognized uh, from other Swedish films uh, that, <laughs> was, that was in that was in it but i i i would have never guessed the immigrants because i i don't think i it would have even been in my head and i we were naming stuff this is how this is why the oscars are kind of weird right like there's there's so many movies out there that could have been foreign language film international film or best picture yeah and a lot of the ones that you're that are the most well known didn't have that distinction of getting both but then there's some that are just not known at all that have both somehow. So like, mm. what you know, what's the? I don't know what the the philosophy was. Like, you you know, that there had to have been a philosophy for a while there. That's like, now if it's gonna go for foreign language slash international film, it shouldn't be able to yeah. be for best picture or so on. You know, they, there's there must have been some rules like that at some point. But I don't know. Yeah, even unwritten ones maybe. But yeah. yeah. That's so. wild. Well, I feel good. I feel good knowing that there wasn't an obvious one out there that I just couldn't think. Yeah, of. that's what I was. I was sitting there going, "Oh my god, I'm just totally f forgetting." You know, flaming hearts from Texas, from you know, <laughs> something. <like that." 